is feeling as bright and cheerful as I am this morning. As I look out my window, I see blue skies and I say it's impossible to be miserable when you're confronted. what is happening around the world, how you feel about what you see out of your windows is really and and you know a lot of what we're talking selves and emotional
I think we can hear you on the Podbean, Melanie. No, maybe try to call again. <laughs> we'll get it. <laughs> Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry, Podbean listeners. I've just been chatting away here and, and not uh, realizing that you can't hear me because I didn't have the chat open. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to bore the people in the studio by telling them, uh, by redoing the introduction, which is... Um, I am looking out of my window today and I am seeing a beautiful sun outside and it makes me feel good. And what, um, you know, emotional intelligence will tell you is that uh, when we're in situations where maybe we don't feel good, we need to put ourselves somewhere where we can feel good so that our emotions are certain situations is how will will determine um, how emotionally intelligent we are and uh, one of the things that obviously is uh, very much on my that affecting me well indirectly I can't help feeling a little bit scared because who knows what is going to happen? Who knows where this is going to go? Going to happen? Am I going to end up going to I mean, that is not going to help, is it, right? So what we have to do is we have to be in control of our emotions. We have to say, okay, But it is in my control how I react to the situations. And that is what we're going to learn about emotional intelligence as we go on and on in this book to, to uh, really understand situations. So um, what we wanted to do this morning was introduce to you how your body reacts in certain situations. So uh, what I thought would be a good idea was to maybe describe to you what your body does and then ask you if you can recognize that emotion in you. And I thought it would be uh, quite easy to, to do that. But in fact, when I read the first one before you guys on Podbean could hear me, I'm like, I'm not sure if they're gonna get that. But anyway, um, so the first em emotion, it, what happens if your heart rate is strong enough for vigorous action? 
So my question to you is what do you If you have any ideas, I would love to uh, And, you know, fear is uh, one of those things. But in fact, it's actually describing anger. So anger that you just want to, you know, get out there and kill somebody. Right? I know that's not emotionally intelligent, but your body is reacting in that way because it is reacting to the way, you know, when we were created and we, we uh, faced situations often uh, with anger to be able to take up a weapon. Okay, so the next one is, let me write, uh, read this one to you. Um, your blood goes to the large skeletal muscles such as in the legs, making it easier to flee and making the face blanch as blood is shunted away from it, creating the feeling that blood runs cold. At the same time, the body freezes, if only for perhaps allowing time to gauge whether hiding might be a better reaction. Circuits in the brain's emotional centers trigger a flood of hormones that put the body on general alert, making it edgy and ready for action and attention fix fixates on the threat at hand, the better to evaluate the response that's made. So that one, obviously, that one is fear, right? Because you're, you're, your body's basically reacting to a fight or flight situation. Like, do I stay? Do I go? Do I hide? In those situations, that is where emotional intelligence, as you will see in, in a story that I'm going to tell, is very important. Okay, among, uh, among the main biological changes in happiness is an increased activity in a brain center that inhibits negative feelings and fosters an increase in available energy and a quieting of those that generate worrisome thought. But there is no particular shift in physiology, um, which makes body recover more quickly from biological arousal of upsetting emotions. So if you're in a happy uh, situation, if your mind feels happy, when you're faced with an emotional situation that is uh, upsetting, you have a better opportunity to be able to recover from that. Uh, the configuration offers the body a general rest as well as readiness and enthusiasm for whatever task is at hand. So that's what happiness does. Okay, what about this? Tender feelings, sexual satisfaction, entail parasympathetic arousal. So the physiological opposite of the fight or flight situation. The parasympathetic, which is really just like the things that you can't actually see but are part of your body, it, it calls it the relaxation response. It's a body-wide set of reactions that generate a general state of calm and contentment. And when you have those feelings, obviously you're in a situation of love, 
with somebody. So um, did you know that by lifting your eyebrows, right, and what, when do we do that? When we're surprised, right? Why by lifting our eyebrows, what we're actually doing is enlarging our vision. And we're enlarging our vision um, to, to uh, allow also more light to hit the retina. What this does is it offers information about the unexpected event. So when you're taken by surprise, you're, you know, and your eyebrows go up, making it easier to figure out exactly what is going on around you. And, you know, what about the expression of disgust, right? You can tell, can't you, when somebody is disgusted? How can you tell? Because their whole face changes. It's like, you know, I, you sort of like your lip curls and, um, you know, maybe you have an offensive smell under your nose. And uh, the, what happens in this situation, it's um, by... by you know, doing the sort of disgust look, you're actually trying to close your nostrils, okay, against a smell, right? And so it it's there, it's there, it's an, a response, a bodily response to something that uh, is noxious, or maybe to spit out a poisonous food, because you know, you're, oh, you're just like disgusted. Okay. And, you know, the main function for sadness is to help us adjust to a significant loss. And um, sadness brings a drop in energy and enthusiasm for life's activity, particularly diversions and pleasures. And, you know, what we as emotional intelligent beings have to recognize is that when we have sadness, what can we do about it to to help us manage it, right? I'm not saying overcome it because you can't overcome sadness. It's that you either have it or you don't. But what you can do is manage it. So that sadness is a situation where if I'm feeling sad, I need on a beautiful day, right? Because otherwise what happens, your sadness turns into depression. And once you're into a depression, now that's much more difficult to recover from. So I'm pretty excited about all this. Just one. Devoted to their 11 year old daughter, Andrea, who was confined to a wheelchair by cerebral to a river after a barge hit the weakened railroad bridge in Louisiana. Andrea, as go to rescuers. Then, as the car sank beneath the water, they perished. So, you know, it's, it's a sad story, but um, what the parents, uh, it, what, what it says is, is an example of when emotion all natural thinking, their desire to save their child 
outstrips any thoughts of saving themselves. all save our children and guess what your masks they always say to you do yours first and then because if you do it the other way around the chances are you're not going to be able to do yours and the child is not going to be able to help you but they know that the emotional uh, act at the moment it happens, most parents would rush to save their child and not themselves. So it's, for me, the, the airlines are trying the second story, which I found. Old Matilda Crabtree was just playing a practical and his wife thought Matilda was still three five seven caliber pistol and went in. Crabtree shot her in the neck. Matilda Crabtree died. Testament to had um, this was a this was not an act of emotional intelligence. This. And if you have a weapon like a gun, the act of impulse to fear is the difference between life and death. Had he not had a gun, maybe recognize that it was his daughter that was jumping out of the closet. house it is not a sign of emotional to decide on the life or death of somebody so the last story i think probably some of you will recognize one day snow make out anything the swirling snow was now a blinding whiteness pressing my foot on the brake I could feel anxiety flood my body and hear the thumping of my heart the anxiety built to full fear I pulled over to the side of the road waiting and I continued on my way a car that had rear-ended a slower car
standing in the blinding snow, I probably would have hit them. In, in Canada, we all have that. And I always remember a time when I was in Ottawa and uh, I was driving back and the same sort of thing happened. And actually, I pulled off at Castleman, booked myself into the hotel there for the night and morning. And when I left and went the next morning, I could not believe the amount of cars that were off the road, that were off the road waiting for pickup, waiting for rescue. Now, he acted with emotion. take stock of the situation and only proceed when I'm not fearful. People who drive blindly on in a snowstorm are not acting with emotional intelligence. They're acting with some sort of bravado that they'll be okay. Or they're acting out of fear and they're saying, I just got to get home. I've just got to get home. When the reality is they need to stop and take stock of where they are, pull over and wait and be safe. So those uh, three stories from emotional intelligence can really have an impact in our lives every single day. And uh, I'm going to hand over to uh, Marie-Pierre now, who is going to um, give us some practical insight into these things. <laughs> yes, it's about the evolu evolution uh, of our emotion. So <laughs> I did some research for you guys <laughs> this morning. So I found all those documents about uh, the, uh, the theory of evolution of Darwin and <laughs> everything like that. So I mix it up to find something. Why is the emotion that we had in the past? We still have them. So yes, it's an evolution, but we keep them as they are so uh, about our instincts. So according to the evolutionary theory, different emotions evolve at different times. So primal emotions such as fear are associated with ancient part of the brain and pres presumably evolve amongst the primal ancestor. If we go into uh, another kind of emotion, such as a human mother love for her offspring, seems to have evolved amongst early mammals. And social emotions, such as guilt and pride, evolve amongst social primates. So sometimes a more recently evolved part of the brain will moderate an older part of the brain. So if you, we look at the researcher, they all consider human emotion to be best adapted to the life of our ancestor and now we with evolution when humans gain the capability of expressing expressing themselves with language this contributed greatly to emotional evolution not only can humans articulate and share their emotion they can use their experience to foresee and take appropriate action in future experience so really the biggest evolution about the emotion is when we learn to talk about our emotion. I think <laughs> with the time, yes, we learn to articulate, but not all of us 
have the emotional intelligence to talk about our emotion. So that's something that we still have to uh, evolve and learn to do is talk about our emotion. Because yes, emotion seems and feels so instinctual to us. It's hard to imagine that the way we experience them and the one we desire are anything other than biological programmed into us. But if we look around us, around the world, we can see that with research, it's shown that the, um, the emotion that we feel will be different in different culture. So if you go somewhere else in the world, you will learn about the different emotion that will uh, have the people example. When we uh, talk about sadness about someone that we lost, yes, Example for us, it will be the person really close. So it will be the immediate family. If you go somewhere else in the world, it will be the whole village that will be sad for one loss. So it's really something that will change. But the emotion, they did an experience, and I really love that one, that if we show image of people, example, with frown, eyebrow, uh, everyone can say, okay, this person is furious or this person is sad just with picture of uh, faces that will express the emotion. But the way it will be uh, expressed in all the people around the world will, different, uh, will be different for all those people. So I really love to learn more about that. And I look at uh, what we will cover tomorrow and next week. And we will really understand how in the brain we uh, uh, we evolve about the emotion so i'm so excited to learn more about that so it's really more than just saying okay i am i am fearful or i am happy today i am sad it's really more than that so i'm really excited to start a, a little bit more about this book tomorrow and the next weeks and uh marie pierre just to to finish off um really what marie pierre was saying how different parts of the world react to different situations. Um, the pressures that made our emotional responses so valuable when we were savages, if you know what I mean. So did the goodness of fit to our emotional responses today. So in the past, um, a hair trigger response to may have offered a crucial edge for survival. Now the availability of automatic weaponry to 13 year olds has made it too often a disastrous reaction. And I think the need for emotional intelligence was never more um, obvious than when you have awful stories like uh, for Matilda Crabtree. So, so I think that's, uh, that's it for today. It's exciting to see, you know, the more you, you read about it, the more logical it seems to be, uh, Mary Pierre, and how much we can have control over our emotional intelligence. So that's it from us today. Thank you so much, uh, podcasters, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow, some more tomorrow. Thank you.